Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BETUS. That is 800 MYBETUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Well, I'm not Chuck's son, so I guess I can't really be the prince of college football. Maybe like a Duke or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, like, the whole, like, medieval times stuff. Anyway, he's the king of college football. I'm just merely here for a day hosting for him. I'm Dan Matthews, executive producer of the show. Always appreciate when you all join us as hour one in the books, hour two coming up. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to be talking with Rusty Mansell, Dogs 24-7. And also, too, if we're talking dogs, that means we've got to talk Crimson Tide. We're going to do that with our good buddy Drew DeArmond, ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville, our great affiliate there in Huntsville. Of course, closing argument. All that different types of stuff. We are going to have that as the show closes out. But as we do every top of hour number two, it's time to hit some headlines. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. First headline, report Glenn Gilbo, outkick.com. We talked about this a little bit with Matt Moscona. There's kind of a couple of reports here that kind of say the same thing. LSU reportedly down to three finalists for the job. Dave Aranda, Billy Napier, and Matt Campbell. The advocate Scott Rabelais, who is one of my favorite people in this industry, one of my favorite people there in Baton Rouge, huge fan of Scott reporting. It's Dave Aranda, and a hire could be made very soon. Uh, as I talked about with Matt Moscona, as usually is the case during coaching searches, there's different trial balloons that are thrown out there, different weather balloons that are either thrown out by the agent, maybe even the head coach himself through a third party or somebody else throwing that out there. I don't know enough about the situation right now. That's why I ask questions. That's why I text Moscona and text different people and be like, hey, what are you hearing about this? Hey, what is that? All these different types of things. I've got some thoughts on it that I'm going to share during the closing argument as the show ends today. But I think overall, it just continues to be one of those things that, like I've said when we've had Dave Bartu on this show, and he hasn't mentioned to me exact openings for coaching jobs, but he has also said it's amazing to me how many of the media reports are out there and they are not the names that are being discussed, at least the ones that I'm involved with. Now, which ones is he involved with? I don't know. 
But I do think, though, that this one is a search that if they are looking for somebody that they really want that is going to be coaching in a conference championship game, Lincoln Riley, if indeed he does get there. I don't know. But I've got some thoughts on that as well. And then other coaches out there, which I've said who I think would be a good coach. And I've said who I did not think would be a very good coach. So we'll see how this all plays out. I do think one of those names, though, is you're going to find out later. I do think that you could definitely do a lot worse than bringing him on with the program. Uh, Next headline, Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy. Doubtful that Bedlam rivalry will continue with the Sooners leaving for the SEC. Uh, Gundy on Monday per the Tulsa world quote, I don't think it will continue. I just don't think there's a business side of it. I don't make that decision. I guess school president Casey Shrum and athletic director Chad Weiberg, uh, they can do whatever they wanted or the board. I don't know who's involved in this. I don't think it's a realistic thing that's going to happen based on the business side of power power five conference football. Um, This is the same playbook that we saw back in 2011 with Texas A&M and Texas. Remember, Justin Tucker makes the field goal. There was the much rejoicing for one side and the much sadness for the other. But for A&M, who, let's be honest here, if you're in the state of Oklahoma, it's Sooners, it's Cowboys. I mean, let's just call it what it is. The Sooners are the program in that state that make things go. And in this case right here, or at least back then, it was Texas and then Texas A&M. So what did A&M do? Okay, fine. In the case with A&M, it was they who said, we're leaving for the better situation. We've moved on in said relationship. We don't need you badgering us anymore. So we're going to move on. And when you do come groveling back to us and wanting to play, we're going to say, yeah, not doing it. Um, We're feeling pretty good over here in the SEC. So not really feeling like we really need you guys anymore. And I think in a certain way that Oklahoma State is already trying to lay the groundwork for that and say, yeah, Oklahoma, we don't need you when really in truth to reality, I don't think they have as much of an upper hand as they might think in that in that situation because I do think that Oklahoma State fans, even though they're upset by Oklahoma moving on, probably want to say, yeah, hey, Bedlam, make it happen. Let's keep this thing going. Uh, final headline, James Franklin to stay at Penn State after rumors of him involved in the LSU and USC searches. He is going to sign a, quote, enhanced contract at Penn State. This according to Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. Um, As the searches have gone on, I think that you've heard James Franklin's name a lot less. I think it's also, too, the fact that I believe they won last weekend, but four losses on the year. So not as hot a candidate as he might have been in the past, but still uh, somebody that has proven to be able to win at not only one program, but two programs now. And the last couple of years haven't gone necessarily the way that he or anybody else at Penn State had hoped. But still, they are a viable enough program, and they are a program with him involved, still recruiting and still leading it. That can be somebody that can compete in the Big Ten, which I think we've seen in the Big Ten pretty much right now. It's one school and everybody else. That's Ohio State. And until proven otherwise, that's the way it's going to remain in the Big Ten. So... Those are headlines, CFB 365. All right, coming up next, the recruiting side, it's going very well in Athens. But how much better could it necessarily get? We'll talk about that and more with our good buddy, Rusty Mansell, Dogs 247. That's next right here. Chuck Oliver Show, Dan Matthews in for Chuck here on a Tuesday.
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Rudy Armand, ESPN 97.7, The Zone, Huntsville, coming up in about 15 minutes. Stan Matthews in for Chuck Oliver here on a Tuesday. And uh, next up is a, a man who probably the last couple of times I asked him if he'd come on the show, well, he was probably still celebrating the Braves' world title win. So who can blame him for that? But he is somebody who always stays busy, not only covering the recruiting side, Georgia in general, but also, too, uh, if you are in the state of Georgia, you probably see him on your TV screen on Friday nights doing high school games. He is Rusty Mansell, Dogs 247. Rusty, appreciate the time. Uh, is that accurate? Uh, as the, as the uh, celebration finally commenced for uh, the uh, Braves winning six? Three weeks ago today, my man piped that, that home run there in the second, or was the third inning, and you know, I knew watching that because I was fortunate to watch Sid Bream slide into home, uh, sitting there with my dad, and I, you know, I know what, 20, 30 years later, I remember that moment. I knew when Solari hit that home run, uh, you would never forget that moment, man. What an awesome, just a, you know, for the whole city, organization, just a feel-good story, man, and, and uh, just something I'll never forget. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, especially for those who uh, root for the old Bravos, there's no doubt. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, what you do on a daily basis. That's covering Georgia recruiting and uh, the uh, huge news over the weekend. Cornerback uh, uh, Jaheim Singletary is going to be part of this class. Uh, what type of get is uh, this cornerback? Uh, Five-star, uh, long-time Ohio State commit, backed off from Ohio State, kid out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, you know, Will Muschamp comes on staff at Georgia, had a prior relationship with him a little bit, and just did a really good job. Even though he was committed to Ohio State, stayed on him. And uh, I really think it got down to, to, to honestly, I think it got down to Miami and Georgia and kind of Miami not having the year they were kind of hoping for. Georgia, obviously, what they're showing on defense. Uh, they need some guys at corner and – Man, it's just hard to find six two guys that can run. There's only so many of those. That's why he's a five star, uh, ranked number five corner in the country. He's the number three overall prospect in the state of Florida. So, uh, not many of those. Huge, huge gift for Georgia to go along with Malachi Starks, the other five star that plays safety uh, in Athens. That kid out of Jefferson. So. You know, you look at defensively, and I don't think Georgia. You know, they're going to take a no question. They're going to take a step back next year. They're going to lose some guys. You just it's just natural. But the future, uh, they keep stockpiling these guys like this, especially in the defensive backfield. Well, they got a pretty good one in their state in Travis Hunter, and right now he's a Florida State guy and seems pretty yeah. solid on the Knolls. Is there any hint of a possibility of that, or do you think he's Tallahassee bound? Well, I mean, I think he's going to Florida State, but I think that you you really have to look at. He took two visits to Georgia, uh, you know, back to back games, and and ended up in Athens. So that tells you he's at least listening to Georgia, and there's some communication with Georgia. You know, I have to make a decision based off what I know. I think he ends up at Florida State, but with him taking visits to Georgia, it will be one of those ones that will everybody will kind of pay attention and see if he signs. He's saying the right things. He's said it on TV, he's said it on national TV that he's 100%. Uh, he's put out graphics saying he's 100%, but at the end of the day, he did take some visits, so you just keep an eye on that. Rusty Mansell, Dogs247, join us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Dan Matthews in for Chuck. Um, who are someone or some people that we could see 
as we get closer to the December signing period that could really be a surprise for Georgia or not even just for Georgia, but for just anybody out there that uh, maybe nobody's talking about right now? Uh, yeah, well, this day and age, it's really, really hard to, to you know, those guys that pop up. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Nobody really knew who Solomon Kinley was. Uh, when Georgia signed him, Matt, uh, Sam Pittman goes down to Jacksonville, and he's recruiting another kid. Well, a high school coach says, hey, man, there's a – there's a six-five, two hundred or three hundred eighty-pound tackle across town. So he goes over and checks him out. Kid winds up being a three-year starter and he's a third-round draft pick of the Dolphins. So those kind of things pop up, but it's kind of rare now. I think everybody kind of knows who is who. Um, there, there's a kid um, out of uh, uh, Warner Robins. I did his game this past weekend. A kid named Davion Walker, who's who's blown up late, picked up a bunch of offers, committed to Vandy, but West Virginia offered him last night. There's a guy in Atlanta area that played for former Georgia running back, former New England Patriot Robert Edwards, a kid named Jaden Harris. He, you know, I, what's one of the best things I get to do, Dan, is do the TV games. I mean, this guy played his tail off on TV. He's picked up like 11 offers. Uh, since he played on TV. So uh, that was really cool to watch that. But it's kind of – those stories are few and far between. Uh, with seniors, I think the thing you watch for is could a guy like, you know, Travis Hunter, could he actually flip? You know, look at a running back, Justin Williams out of East Baldwin, decommitted to West Virginia. Everything I think I've heard, uh, he's going to commit to Tennessee before it's all said and done. So there'll be some late-season flips, but nothing like it used to be back in the day where, where people were hiding kids and those types of things just, just don't do it very much anymore. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the visits, and that's something that I know that you talked about with us before here on the show, Rusty, is that last year in the high of the pandemic, no visits allowed, unofficial, official. I mean, you were going to see an effect on the way that kids made decisions. What changes have we seen this year now that we've actually been able to see them on campus, on the sidelines, and being able to have the full effect? It's almost back to normal. I tell you what, Dan, what's really people have forgotten about, and I'm excited for the kids but the contact period starts Sunday. And don't think, for example, these these people, these, these coaches getting fired because Sunday – now, it won't be for Georgia and Alabama because they'll be preparing for a game. But you take the Auburns, you take the Shane Beamer, you take Josh Heupel, all those guys, they're going to be in living room Sunday night. The mm-hmm. contact period starts Sunday night. Coaches will be on the road all next week in school seeing kids. Last year we didn't get to do that which is crazy to me. Uh, but, th- you know, this, th- there'll be coaches, uh, you know, Harson, everybody you can think of, and that's why I think the timely manner for LSU, for Florida, all those schools, to name a guy, it's time because you only get about about 18 days to be in homes before signing day happens. So uh, this next through two and a half, three weeks is going to be crucial. And it's also be important at all levels. And I'm talking about down to Division Two. You know, a lot of these 2022 kids are really, you know, starting to feel that pressure. Like, hey, I don't have the offer I kind of want. So we'll see as these coaches get on the road and able to get face to face, able to go in their home and sit down and have a dinner. You know, social media be blowing up with the pictures. So and so's in my house tonight. And man, for me, that's going to be a good feeling because these kids get to get. I know they're getting recruited, and I know it's time for that. 
Yeah, prime uh, weight gain season for the coaches and also, too, that's when we get the videos of the electric slides and yeah, all those different yeah. types of things as well. So, yeah, we yeah. Uh, we have that to look forward to. There's no doubt. Again, uh, Rusty Mansell, Dogs247, joining us here. Rusty, the question that I think every single fan wants to know, either if they are a fan of Georgia or not, it's about the quarterback position and how Kirby continuously can get four- and five-star quarterbacks to say yes to Georgia. What do you think it is? How does how does he keep getting this, especially when you have the perception of how the offense is run and also to his choice in quarterback and, and who he's gone with these last few weeks? Well, you know, he had, you know, he had Jacob Eason, who was a five-star at the time, and uh, then he had a highly recruited kid, Jake Fromm, who came in. Eason got injured. Jake Fromm took that over and played ultimately for three years. Now, he entered Justin Fields, and I'll say this. The reason Justin Fields is at Georgia because he is a huge lifelong Georgia fan. I mean, he was a, I mean, there were pictures of him going to games. He was kids so that worked in Georgia's favor. Didn't work out. He left. Uh, so they come back in and recruit these guys. And then JT Daniels comes here. Uh, he gets hurt. And then when he gets hurt, Oh, by the way, Stetson Bennett wins what four, five games in a row. So, you know, it's kind of been one of those situations where they've had some injuries, you know, this and that, but it's ultimately all going to play out for Kirby smart, you know, and here's the deal. I've said this on every interview I've done. Kirby Smart's not making that call. That's a staff call. That's a Todd Munkin, Kirby Smart, Matt Luke, everybody sitting in the room going, this is the guy we want to go with. So, uh, you know, and I said this too, being in a locker room as much as I have and, and, and being on teams, when I heard Nolan Smith come out and say, hey, I believe in Stetson Bennett, that's our guy. That says a lot to me what was going on. And that, I think you can put into words like, hey, these guys believe in Stetson Bennett. They may believe in JT Daniels, but right now, to me, very clear. Stetson Bennett's team, and obviously he's playing all the, all the meaningful snaps. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, when things are working out the way they are, why even remotely think about changing? Rusty, really appreciate your time. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And I have a hunch we'll be catching up with you here in the next few days. I'll see you soon, buddy. I right, appreciate it. Again, Rusty Mansell, Dogs 247, is how you can find his work. And, you know, I think it's interesting there with Stetson Bennett because I was talking about this with a buddy of mine the other day, and it was one of those things of the Georgia offense. Oh, man, we have to change the identity. We have to change the identity. He said, why? He said, the strength of this team this year clearly is the defense, and you're getting good enough offensive play that you don't necessarily need to – you don't need to to break the formula that is working right now. And is that going to hurt them down the road? Yeah, it might hurt them. But as of right now, what is Georgia trying to do that they hadn't done since 1980? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're trying to hold up that whatever you call the college football playoff trophy and be able to end the narrative. I mean, we already saw one team in the state of Georgia break that narrative this year. Will the dogs be next? And I think right now they're playing the formula that they believe will work. One way that they need to try to get there is through Alabama. We're going to talk that next with Drew DeArmond. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It is the Chuck Oliver Show here on a Tuesday. Glad you're all out there. Like I said, if you're already on the road traveling, please safe travels. Car, plane, whatever it might be. Trains even as well. You know, if you want to do the whole John Candy, Steve Martin thing. 
go for it. I mean, I don't really recommend that mode of travel, but, you know, get to point A to point B. That's what you need to do. All right, let's talk some Alabama. We're going to do that right now with uh, Drew DeArmond at ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. Always appreciate talking Crimson Tide with Drew. Drew, hopefully your Thanksgiving week is off to a great start. And uh, what's the uh, what's what's the number one dish on the uh, DeArmond table? Well, you know, I've always been a big dressing guy. Very much. Uh, my, my grandmother uh, made outstanding dressing. Uh, I love the cranberry sauce. She made some of the best. What we call soda bread, uh, it's actually cornbread, though. Yeah. It was really good, and uh, that's always kind of been my go-to. Of course, you got to go to the turkey as well. And then dessert for me is pumpkin pie. Uh, it's always something that uh, I like to partake in on Thanksgiving. I've definitely, as I've gotten older, I've become a pumpkin pie guy because when I was younger, I think like most of us, it was like, ah, I don't get it. But now I'm like, it's perfect. It's amazing. It's got enough sweetness to it. And uh, a true Southern man you are. It's not stuffing. It's dressing. We, we, we know here. And as, as a product of a house where his dad made sure that every step was meticulously followed in making the, uh, uh, the, the dressing, uh, I've got to say that uh, it's, it's definitely near and dear to my heart. There's no doubt. Let's talk the uh, football on the field. Uh, Will Anderson, I, I think that uh, he is somebody that everybody has looked at with this Alabama defense this year and said, what an absolute bright spot he is. But do you think he's the best pure pass rusher that Bama has had since Nick Saban's been there? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I know uh, Tim Williams was really good at times for Alabama. Uh, you know, and actually, you know, uh, you know, I, I think some people uh, probably uh, underrate uh, some guys that played earlier for Nick Saban, like a Courtney Upshaw, who became a uh, you know a an inside defensive tackle in the NFL. Uh, you know, but I really, I do, I really think, uh, no doubt. Uh, that uh, Will is the most explosive pass rusher I've seen in Nick Saban's senior. But the great thing about him is, and as I've had a chance to watch him now for two years, Dan, he's actually a great all-around football player. He plays the run really well. He plays hard every down. Uh, you know, it, at times Tim Williams was more of a specialist, a, a rabbit rusher type who, who was really good. But I'm going to tell you what, I, I really think, honestly, uh, that 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 that, that, uh, I, that Will Anderson is the best pass rusher of the Saban era, and he may end up. This is saying a lot. Uh, you know, it's going to take another really good year next year, and he's really already doubled his pr- production this season from a great freshman year. But I think he and Minka Fitzpatrick have a chance to be the two. I think best defensive players of the Saban era. And there's so many of them. I mean, I've tried to name an all-Saban team before defensively, and that's really difficult with all the first-team All-Americans, and especially guys like C.J. Mosley and Rolando McClain, who I was big fans of. But as far as impact on a game, I think with the Minka's ability to play a lot of different spots, and then Will Anderson's explosive ability to rush the passer, but also stop the run. I think Will Anderson is going to go down as one of the top two defensive players in uh, in Nick Saban's senior in Tuscaloosa. How key is Henry Toto to this defense and their success? Well, I mean, I think he's getting better. And I think, you know, he, he's received some criticism earlier in the year for being in the wrong gap, maybe over-pursuing plays. And that's, you know, that and, and probably some of it was deserved. But you have to also understand he was getting used to playing with a new set of teammates. 
I know the defenses are similar, and I asked him this question after the game on Saturday. So he was already comfortable in the scheme, but you're still playing with different guys, and you have to, you know, get get used to playing for a different coaching staff, different uh, with a different supporting cast. And I think he started to get comfortable. Uh, Now he that he's gone through, you know. uh, 75% 75% of a season in Tuscaloosa. I mean, he still got 84 tackles, I believe, at 13 last week with two sacks. He's actually been a really nice pass rusher at times in Blitzer for Alabama. So I think he's really starting to get better. He was SEC Defensive Player of the Week. And, you know, to me, I don't understand. You know, if you're a leading Alabama's defense in tackles with 84, you've got to be in the right place more often than not. So, again, he's a guy that sometimes will over-pursue, but he plays hard on every down, in my opinion. And I think he's really starting to assert himself and be an upgrade at that Mike linebacker spot because Dylan Moses last year was not healthy for uh, the majority of the season, struggled kind of at the mic, and I think Toa Toa has been a big upgrade this year, in my opinion. He's Drew D. Armand. Find him on Twitter at Drew D977 ESPN, host of Talking Ball, Huntsville's 977 ESPN, the zone Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. You can also find him as a writer contributor for tighterinsider.com. Drew, I'm going to flip over to both offensive and defensive coordinators here. And, of course, that usually kind of slide in the name. Criticism comes with it, but also some praise. As we saw, it led to a head coaching job for Steve Sarkeesian last year. But overall, what would be your honest assessment of both Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding this year? Well, you know, I've been as critical of Pete Golding as any. Uh, You know, I I think at times – uh, the defense doesn't have good communication. I didn't think it did on Saturday. I think a lot of the problems were in the back end. Uh, they had some buzz. Uh, they did not, you know, tackle very well in space at times against Arkansas. But I will say Traylon Burks, I've seen him before. Uh, the guy's a stud. He's a first-round pick. I, I think no disrespect to what Jamison Williams has done or John Mechie or any other receiver in the SEC, but I think he's the best at his position in the conference. He's the total package, a big physical fast. Uh, But, you know, I think the defense is – it's really going into last week with a top-ten unit nationally. In the last two years, I think Pete Golding's defenses have gotten better in the second half of the season. Certainly, uh, that wasn't a great performance against Arkansas. I don't think he's in the category – I'm talking about Pete Golding of a Jeremy Pruitt – uh, because I think Jeremy Pruitt, in addition to being an elite play caller defensively, was an elite recruiter. I don't think you could say Pete Golding is either one of those. I don't think he's Kirby Smart either. Kirby was a, a, a good recruiter and then an outstanding teacher of, of Nick Saban's schemes. Uh, and so those are some big shoes to fill. And before that, not at Alabama, but you had a Will Muschamp, even a Kevin Steele uh, at Alabama as well. So uh, but you had Will Muschamp at LSU. I don't think you could put Pete Golding in any of those uh, in a category with those four guys. But I still think he's done a nice job. He helped them win a national championship. And the thing I always tell people is he was brought in uh, to to coach with Nick Saban. And while the other you know four guys I mentioned basically were groomed under him and basically have, and even have gone other places and coached his scheme, Pete Golding was brought in and really was teaching a completely different one at University of Texas San Antonio. So he's had to learn Nick Saban's defense. I think there's been some bumps in the road along the way. So I think he's been good, not great. And then with Bill O'Brien, look, 
he had some huge shoes to fill. Steve Sarkeesian was the Broyles Award winner. Uh, they, Alabama had the, probably the best offense I've ever seen in Tuscaloosa. But I'll tell you what, uh, Dan, if they have a good game against Auburn, and I, and I, I'm picking that game 38-17 Alabama. Mm-hmm. If they have if they have a game where they where they average or they get their averages between 480 and 500 yards of offense per game, you're going to have a very good shot at having being a like 4,000 yard passer with 40 plus TDs and in, in Bryce Young. You're going to have a, a 1,300 yard receiver potentially in Jameson Williams, another 1,000 yard receiver in you know in uh, John Mechie. And uh, with 55 yards, a thousand-yard running back with with uh, uh, Brian Robinson Jr., that is outstanding production. And it's not last year, but it's dang close. And so I think I would give Bill O'Brien an A minus. The minus being, I think at times they've gotten too cute in the red zone and they haven't run it enough. But again, I don't think this is a dominant offensive line, but they've schemed around that. And of course, Bryce Young's mobility and athleticism has played a part. But I really believe that Bill O'Brien's done a nice job filling the shoes uh, of uh, Steve Sarkeesian overall. Yeah, I mean, and then with Bill O'Brien, I think the conversation goes to Bryce Young of do you put the progression of Bryce Young this year on the tutelage of Bill O'Brien? I mean, obviously, great player. People thought he was going to be the starter last year, Drew, to a certain point uh, before, obviously, Mac. Uh, you know, Mac became who he was uh, last season and beyond. But uh, the the work that he's done with, with his quarterback this year, I mean, do you think that that's something that Alabama fans need to probably give a little bit more praise and credit to? Well, yeah, I think so. Because anytime you have uh, a quarterback play at the level that Bryce has, he, he and C.J. Stroud have kind of separated themselves as Heisman candidates. And so you have to give the O.C. credit for that and for the development of Bryce Young. I mean, I know that Steve Sarkeesian recruited him. I know he coached him last year, but the bottom line is Bill O'Brien's had to coach him this season and put him in position to make plays. He's certainly done that. You look at his numbers right now, uh, you know, uh, Dan, he's he's got uh, 3,600 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, three interceptions. They're really closely mirroring what Tua Tungo-Vailoa did in 2018 under Mike Loxley. So, and that was that in Mac Jones year, Mac horse didn't play it in as many games, but those two seasons that we've seen out of Tua and Mac, these numbers stack up with them. And so uh, Sark got a lot of credit with uh, for developing Mac Jones last year. We saw Mike Loxley win the Brawls award and and use that as a springboard to becoming the head coach at Maryland when he tutored to a tongue of So I definitely think you got to give Bill O'Brien a lot of credit. And again, I think every offensive coordinator has had their que- their play calling question at one time or another. It's very easy to do that. But the way I look at it, and this is how I equate it, Dan, if Alabama had caught a couple more passes against Texas A&M, you know, we're, we're talking Alabama being 12-0 and and undefeated if they beat Auburn, and there wouldn't be nearly as much conversation. But they didn't get the job done in the Aggieland. They've struggled in a couple other games, especially LSU. And so the fans haven't been happy. But overall, I think if you look at the complete body of work with Bill O'Brien, he's done a really nice job calling plays, getting. And remember, Jamison Williams was a was you know a guy that came out of the transfer portal mm-hmm. was not featured in that offense at Ohio State, and he's been the best big play wide receiver in the country. So I would you have to give Bill O'Brien a lot of credit for how they've ingratiated 
uh, Jamison Williams into that offense also. One more for Drew DeArmon here again. Drew DeArmon, you can find him on Twitter at DrewD977ESPN. Host of Talking Ball, 7 to 9 a.m. there in Huntsville. Also writer, contributor for Tider Insider. And that is, um, you know, the the three close calls that we've seen this year, Drew, I, I took a look at with Florida, LSU, Arkansas. Obviously, those were wins. But at least to Bama fans and to others, close calls and then the loss to A&M. It looked like those four teams were able to strike some balance offensively in being able to have some success against this Alabama defense on um, uh, on Saturdays. But what do you think necessarily is the key for this Bama defense and offense uh, to be able to get to their ultimate goal? And that's getting back into the college football playoff. Well, I mean, what, what they really need to do, Dan, you know, I, I think honestly – offensively they need to continue to have balance i think the the change at right tackle needed to happen it, 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 it's almost equated to me it's another gutty move by nick saban uh you know chris owens has struggled for much of the year being at center or at right tackle he got damian george in the lineup against arkansas it wasn't always pretty uh certainly uh, I think uh, he, he did. They, 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 he uh, did some nice things. I thought Saturday. I thought they ran behind him early to get him going. And as the game went on, they started getting more movement there uh, and were able to run the football. And so I think they've still got to be able to run it. They've got to have balance because this is a passing team. I mean, Bryce Young's so gifted. You've got Jameson Williams, John Mechie, and I, I was encouraged until the fumble inside the five with Cameron Latou. Uh, he had had a nice game at tight end, kind of reemerging. They even got a catch out of Jaleel Billingsley. But I just think overall they've got to have a semblance of a running game. They got 27 carries for 122 out of Brian Robinson Jr. They need something similar against Auburn. And then defensively, I think what they've got to do is they've got to uh, stop, continue to stop the run. I mean, that really kind of got overshadowed in this game at Arkansas because of the, tr- the trouble in the back end but they stopped the run well. And if they're going to beat Auburn, they've got to contain Tank Bigsby. But again, their communication has to be better. They've got to communicate better in the secondary. And I think overall, if they can keep the big plays to a minimum and not have butts and, and, you know, make teams earn it, especially play good red zone defense, because that's what they did against LSU and holding them to 14 points. I think overall, continuing the run defense, playing better red zone defense because this this defense is not dominant. They are going to give up some yards between the 20s, but they've got to play good red zone defense. If they play good red zone defense and tackle and stop the run, I still think this team uh, can even give Georgia a run to their money. I'm certainly not going to predict them to win right now, but I think Alabama has far and away the best offense that the dogs would see. But I just think overall they've got to continue to have balance offensively continue to feed the ball to Brian Robinson Jr. And then, of course, uh, you know, and I think if they do, the big plays in the passing game will continue. But And then in the kicking game, they've had trouble in the last couple of weeks with fakes. I, don't, I won't be surprised if Auburn tries to pull something out of the bag. They've got to, you know, do a better job in the kicking game of not giving up, uh, you know, a gadget play here or there. Because, again, 
when you get to have a chance to get off the field, you've got to get off the field on third and fourth down. And uh, Alabama, they did not do that against Arkansas. They gave up 10 of 19 third and fourth down conversions. And some of that it had issue, was issues in the kicking game. So overall, you know, I think those are some adjustments they need to make. But really, to go back to it, offensively, running the football, having balance, and then defensively, playing good red zone defense, I think is going to be a key for Alabama winning in Auburn, and then having a chance to against the number one team in the country, what I think is going to be an undefeated Georgia Bulldog team after they uh, take care of Georgia Tech this weekend. The information is always great. We appreciate your time as always, Drew. Have a very happy Thanksgiving with the dressing, the cranberry sauce, the, the pumpkin pie. I'm already getting hungry. So, you Drew, hey, hey, appreciate it as always, buddy. Let's, uh, let's talk to you again here very soon. Yes, Dan. I always appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Drew DeArmond again, ESPN 97.7, The Zone there in Huntsville. And, yeah, hey, look, if there's one thing I think that we fall for all the time, it's, oh, hey, Alabama, you know, are they still as good as the other teams? Guess what? They don't have to be as good as the other teams. They just have to be as good as they can be that coming week. And we'll see if that's something coming up next weekend in the SEC championship game. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. These kids were all recruited by Tech. They know Tech's players. They know a lot of those guys. Um, that doesn't concern me. Our guys have been very mature and handled things really well. We challenged them after the game the other day to come out and uh, approach this thing with a will, will not be denied attitude. We're going out to go play our best game. That's our goal. Play our best game of the season. How do we do that? We usually do it by practicing well. Yep, and I guess at least the last 11 weeks, they've practiced very well as Georgia trying to close out their season. 35-point favorite against Georgia Tech on Saturday. I don't envision the dogs are going to have much trouble with the Yellow Jackets on Saturday. Well, we'll see as uh, we come towards the close of the season. How weird is it that we are already to the final real regular season of college football? Because I know we get Army and Navy after the SEC, ACC, and major conference championships at the end of the season. But just, man, I mean, I I guess I'm starting to sound like an old guy because it goes faster and faster every single year. I want to thank everybody who hopped on the show with us today. Ingram Smith from the Knollcast in Hour 1. Matt Moscona in Hour 1 as well. Here in Hour 2, Rusty Mansell and our uh, good buddy Drew DeArmond, who, again, a man after my own heart. It's not stuffing people. It's dressing. When you're in this part of the country, it's dressing. Only dressing. And I've heard some people do the oyster dressing. I've never done the oyster dressing. But that supposedly is like a coastal southern thing, which uh, from what I understand, like people who like grew up in like Effingham County in Georgia, like that was like a big thing. Anthony Dasher, our good buddy with UGASports.com, he has uh, got me up to date on that. Let's close you out with a closing argument here, right here on the Chuck Oliver Show. The King's Closing Arguments. Presented by the best closing attorneys in the business, Alexander Shannara and Associates. You know, every single fan base seems to want theirs. They want their national title. They want their own version of a historic quarterback. They want to be able to, when they are having those conversations in the springtime or in the wintertime or whatever about the best teams that they've ever rooted for, they want to be able to say, yeah, hey, that guy, he was ours. 
Well, in this case, LSU fans, I think they very much want theirs when it comes to the hiring process of a new head coach because Scott Woodward, we know his history when it comes to football head coaches. Chris Peterson at Washington took Washington to a college football playoff semifinal berth. Didn't work out. They played against Alabama, but still, those were heights that that program hadn't seen in some time. Jimbo Fisher to Texas A&M. Massive success. I think you could probably say that program is still loading. But LSU fans now, they're asking, what about us, dude? Like, do we get our opportunity? Do we get our massive head coaching hire? And Lincoln Riley would probably be the one that you'd think of right here because the good news is, if you kind of noticed how the radio silence has kind of hit on this, and remember what I've told you and we talked about with Matt Moscona, radio silence is a good thing. The potential bad news, though, and we covered it with Matt, they win this weekend at Bedlam. They play against Oklahoma State again in the Big 12 championship game, and they win that. You're probably not thinking that Lincoln Riley is a viable option. But a loss? I think you could hear of him. But the name that I really think that people need to give credit to is Dave Aranda because what is Dave Aranda? He's organized. He's smart. He's effective. And someone who has already proven he's a very good coach. Guys, last year he took a team that went 2-7 and seven and has now led them to this week they're playing against Texas Tech for a week for a chance to go 10-2. and two. They're going 10-2. and two. And to be able to have that turnaround and to be able to possibly be somebody who can come into a program that has had a lack of organization, really, when you come to think about it from top to bottom and everything that's hit the LSU program the last couple of years, you could do a lot worse than Dave Aranda. But I'm with you to say I get it. I understand there's some names that fit and there's some names that don't. What I do hope fit is me hosting the show today and always appreciate all of you out there for listening. For David, for Chuck, for everybody here at the Chuck Oliver Show, have a happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you again soon.